0: He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The gospel of our Lord.
1: Well, good morning again. If you would, please bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer as we prepare to hear from God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, "Come, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, Amen." Well, I am so honored that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us today. Some of you are visiting; some call our church home. Uh, either way, I, I welcome again on behalf of our community of faith. Uh, this week, we're looking at John chapter one. Some theologians have stated that this is the most important passage in the whole Bible. So we're going to have a laser-like focus on the person of Jesus this morning. Um, I think that the message today is, is titled The Savior of Love. And I think this is going to be a great foundation as we set out in our fall sermon series on Acts, which is about the mission of love. So first, we must look at the Savior of Love. And I want to begin with this question. Have you ever saved someone's life? Have you ever saved someone's life? Just a couple weeks ago, I had the joy of sending my kids, all of my kids, to camp at one time. It was a miracle. I have a lot of grace for young parents in the room and older parents. Parenting is psychotically hard and it's exhausting. There will be a time where all of them are away at once, and uh, I am so excited for what God's doing through our student ministry here. And so my two boys, they went to students camp, and lo and behold, my, my girl, who's not quite of age to go to that camp, was actually able to go to the sister camp on the same mountain. So my wife and I, we made our way to North Carolina as well, to a little town called Blowing Rock. If you've never been to Blowing Rock, I highly encourage you to go. We usually hang out in the Brevard area, Casher's area, and I love that area. But I got to say, Blowing Rock is incredible. If you want to learn more, just pull me aside. And uh, we would spend our mornings doing kind of rigorous day hikes, and then later in the day, we'd come back and read and have a nice meal and call it a day. Well, one morning, my wife and I, we went up to this ridge. It's called, I think, Rough Ridge. And it's, this, it's a short hike, but it's a, it's a rough hike, and there's boulders and such. Anyone ever done this hike? Raise your hand. Yep, we've got Ryan in the back. Yep, Heather, others, Dave, Kathy. It's a beautiful hike. Now, it's one of these, if you're into Instagram or social media, it's one of these cheesy places where you get great pictures because you get these rocks jetting over the blue ridge mountains like you're some you know great explorer well this is my wife and i said you've got to pose for us right so i took a picture of my beautiful wife and it was a great morning well we decided to extend our morning and go to grandfather mountain anyone been to grandfather mountain okay it's also a lot of fun it's not as rigorous they actually have a little zoo there where you can see Uh, not lions and tigers and bears, but you can see bears, and you can see antelope and other creatures. And then at the top of Grandfather Mountain is a swinging bridge, one mile uh, above sea level. Now here's the problem. The storms had rolled in, right? The storms had rolled in, and uh, here's a picture of the bridge, if I can get my technology to work. Here's a picture of the bridge, and it's it's a metal bridge, maybe a steel bridge. And um, the storms had rolled in and it was pouring rain and it was actually a little cooler. And I just said, let's wait it out. Let's wait it out. We, we, there's an admission fee, so we paid our way in and let's wait it out. And finally the drizzle stopped, right? And I said, now's our chance. And my wife said, babe, I don't think this is a good idea. And I said, well, we paid the admissions fee. <laughs> And so we started running, and it started drizzling again, but there was no thunder and lightning. And I thought, surely the Park Service, whoever oversees Grandfather Mountain, is liable for our safety. So... <laughs> and every once in a while, when we were sitting in our car and the rain's coming, we'd see some adventurous soul run up to the, to the bridge, right? And so we get up to the front here, and we're right here. Here's a picture, right? We're right here, and I have this big, beautiful umbrella, and I'm walking next to my wife like a hero, and all of a sudden, the wind picks up, and it's like 20, 30 mile-an-hour winds, like Chicago winds, and the umbrella's fighting us, right? It's like this, and it starts to rain, and she says, I think we should go back to the car, and I said, babe, we're committed. Go, and she starts going, and then the, the umbrella buckles. You ever seen that? It just buckles, right? And we're about a quarter of the way across this bridge, and I'm telling you, the winds are strong. And she goes, I'm turning back. So we turn back, and then, boom, boom, right? And she says, we're going to die! To which I said, go, go, go! And here's the thing, she didn't go she was frozen to this metal lightning death rod and like this, holding both sides. And I'm not kidding. She's going this fast. I'm I'm not exaggerating. She's like, I'm terrified. And I said, we're gonna die. True story, two weeks ago. I didn't really save her life that day. Here's the deal. If we're honest, we're not only limited in our ability to help others in life. We're limited in our ability to help ourselves. And that gets to the heart of our passage. I believe the big idea that our passage teaches is this. Jesus is the author of life who came to our world of loss to be the Savior of love. Jesus is the author of life who came to our world of loss to be the Savior of love. To help us in a way we couldn't help ourselves. So let's unpack these three points over the next few minutes. Point number one, Jesus is the author of life. Right out of the gate, John goes deeply theological in the beginning was the word in the word was with god in the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made so the first thing we notice that john is sharing is jesus is eternal and divine in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god i don't know where everyone is at this morning in understanding the christian faith but what i would encourage you to do is look to the person in the proclamations about jesus christ You see, some people in our world, they would look at Jesus as just a good prophet or a good teacher, but Scripture doesn't allow us to fall there. And as we see in the different Gospels, um, Jesus Himself doesn't fall there. Some of the great theologians would say He's either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. And here it's proclaiming right out of the gate in the book of John, he is Lord. He is eternal and divine. He was with God and is God from the beginning. Trinitarian language, eternal language, divine language right out of the gate. And this is not just isolated to John chapter 1. We read in Colossians 1, "...for by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities." All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. But beyond being eternal and divine, I want to emphasize another point we read here. He is wildly creative. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So, for me, the way I reset my soul is to go out in creation. I think one of the greatest apologetics for the Lord is the world. And for me, I love the mountains, so I, just, I chose a beautiful picture of mountains. Any mountain people in here, do you like to retreat to the mountains? I realize some of us are not mountain people. Some of us are beach people. Who are the beach people in the room? For me, I look at this picture of the Caribbean and I just want to dive into those waters. Some of us maybe aren't outdoorsy people at all. Maybe we're pet people, dog people. Anyone want to rub that dog's face right now? Good, you can make an appointment. That is Cody Quinn and Kelsey's dog, Finley. And he lives here uh, in Charleston. How about baby people, right? In him, all things were made. This is a picture of Coco Durham, Trenton Durham, our director of worship, his his daughter, his first child. And then there's this picture of community, right? And that said, Gerald's daughter, he read Scripture for us this morning. I don't know about you, but when I look at those pictures and I think of the creativity and the power of God in Jesus, it really moves me. And that's what John is trying to do. He's trying to capture our minds and our hearts as he presents this Gospel story. You see, if Jesus is the author of life, we will see Him as beautifully powerful. In the series, The Chronicles of Narnia, there's this little character named Lucy. And there's a figure named Aslan who represents Christ. And as the series progresses and she re-engages Aslan, uh, we read these words. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you are bigger. That is because you are older, little one, he answered. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And that's what John is trying to do here. He is helping us find Jesus as bigger than we could ever dream or imagine. Jesus is the author of life. Point two, Jesus is the author of life who came to our world of loss. The passage continues, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, friends, we live in a world that is wayward, and wounded, don't we? I just want to tell you what it's like to be in my shoes, and some of you know this because some of these are your prayer requests. Over the last week, excuse me, over the last seven days, these are the the things that we have been intercessing about within our community of faith. There have been three deaths. Tuesday morning, I got a message from one of the core men of our church and he said please pray for me men of the daniel island fellowship hike my mother and my grandmother died yesterday there's other deaths i'm in the midst of helping people navigate three different divorces no one gets married to get divorced one of my friends who's been divorced says i wouldn't wish that on my uh, on my enemy it's so hard Uh, We had one Category 4 cancer diagnosis this week. We had two cases of depression finally come to light this week. And even this last one refers even to my father, which is close to me. He's actually in the ER right now with complications of an eight-hour back surgery. We live in a broken, hard, painful world, a world full of confusion and darkness and lost, and all you need to do is turn on the news over the last week and see the cries of the people from Texas and Ohio, where their loved ones, family, and friends have been gunned down through senseless violence. In this pain and struggle, are a reality for all of us. I grew up in central Florida, called Polk County, and. Uh, about an hour south of Orlando. And I grew up on this lake called Lake Wales Lake. And across the cove of the lake, it's a small lake, but there is a bomb shelter that that had been uh, built for the Cold War. And growing up in Florida, my dad always talked about looking up at the sky expecting missiles to come from Cuba because of the height of the Cold War. So I grew up looking... At the sky, expecting bombs to fly. Do you remember those days? And then, as I'm growing older, I'm no longer necessarily looking at the sky, but I'm looking in the mirror going, what kind of man are you? You see, the reality is, I'm not the man, and I'm sure you can relate. You're not the man or woman that you necessarily want to be at this given moment, right? You look at yourselves with all your wrinkles and your flaws and you say, is this as good as it gets? Right? Living in this world of loss, we all long for love and some sort of answer. Which brings us to point three. Jesus is the author of life who came to our world of love excuse me, He's the author of life who came to a world of loss to be the Savior of love. The Scripture says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love how another uh, uh, translation puts it like this. The Word became flesh in blood, and moved into the neighborhood. The literal language is tabernacled amongst us. Set up His tent amongst us. You see, Jesus does not ignore our pain. He enters it. And through entering it, we see that Jesus is initiating a cosmic intervention where God is moving from the garden to To the ghetto. And let me explain what I mean by that. In the beginning of the Bible, when we read in Genesis all the creation accounts, God made the birds of the air, the animals of the fields, and it was good, and etc. And then he made man and woman in his own image. And then in Genesis chapter 3, there's this beautiful, I think it's chapter 3 verse 8, where it says, God walked in the cool of the garden, And Adam and Eve could hear basically his footsteps. That was how close we were meant to be, created to be to God, to do community with God, reflecting His love and glory on earth as it is in heaven. But we know what happened. Man sinned. And as Genesis 3 captures, God's walking in the cool of the garden. And do you know how the passage continues? It said Adam and Eve hid from Him. And just as Adam and Eve hide from him, the Bible says we all hide from him. We all carry fear and guilt and shame, both for what we've done and what we've not done. And uh, this reminds me, in a humorous sort of way, about my recent trip to the dermatologist. So let me lighten this up a little bit. I have one brother, he's had melanoma twice. That means I have a bullseye on me for skin cancer. My parents have both had cancer, skin cancer as well, multiple times. So my wife, again, she's maybe the savior because she's like, Paul, I think you need to get checked out once a year for skin cancer. Doctors, is that a good idea for me? Probably. So I finally said yes. Went to a dermatologist. It was an older lady and a middle-aged lady. And they said, sir, we're gonna ask you to remove your, your garment. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And they said, well, we need you to remove all, all of your garments. And um, I don't know about you, but that doesn't bless me. <laughs> they give you some white sheet as if that's supposed to like calm your nerves and your embarrassment. And I, I, I won't go into how that whole encounter went. But you know I'm there saying, check me out for problems. Problem areas. They're there with my best uh, in mind. But I'm s- still scared to death for them to see the real me. Can you relate to that? I think we're all scared to death to let God see the real us. Tim Keller says it like this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and, and not loved is our greatest fear. But to have both, that is Perfection. You see, Jesus came to know us in all of our grit and to love us with all of His grace. And do you know that beautiful truth in your life this morning? He came to know you in all of your grit and love you with all of His grace. The passage says, the true light is which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will, or of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, in Jesus we find that love that we desperately need. So, to conclude, Jesus is the author of life who came to our world of loss to be the Savior, your Savior, of love. And my invitation this morning is threefold. First, I invite you to trust that Jesus is powerful. Not just out there, but right here in whatever you're facing Where can you give thanks and have a heart of gratitude for what you've been given and what He's created for you? Second, I invite you to trust that Jesus is good. That He just doesn't stay up in the heavens. God doesn't turn His back on our pain. No, He enters our pain and wants to enter your pain this morning. There's active invitation after invitation in the Scriptures. Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you, for it is light and gentle. Where could you use the goodness and the light and the love of God to pierce into the darkness in your life? Does He care about you? Which leads to this third invitation. Trust that Jesus loves you. He wants to know you and love you with all that he has. And the only thing scripture is saying is just believe. Believe. So my invitation, friends, is believe. Jesus is powerful and good, and he loves you all of you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I I pray that this message would catch the hearts of every boy and girl, man and woman in this room. Thank you for sending your Son to live and die for us, to offer us new life in Him. God, we're There's darkness in our lives. We invite you to pierce that darkness with your love that's offered in Jesus. Not only would you give us hope, but would you give us help this morning? We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.